And welcome back to the One Truth Podcast. This is Aaron, and uh, I've got a special announcement to make. Apparently, I am now an international podcaster. Not really sure how it happened. I do have a listener in Ghana, so uh, I appreciate it, whoever's tuning in in Ghana. And uh, so obviously I'm in the United States and now I'm I'm in another country. So uh, I think that technically means I am an international podcaster. Anyways, uh, today's episode, I want to talk about instruments in the church. This has been brought up in a couple of different times in conversation. I think I've mentioned it on my podcast here before that I travel uh, a lot for work. And on occasion, uh, I'm somewhere during the weekends and, of course, need to find a place where I can gather around the Lord's table on the first day of the week as we're commanded as Christians to do. And, you know, when I do research, uh, it becomes difficult many times to find a church that preaches the truth. And uh, if you're not really sure what I mean by a church that preaches the truth, I mean a church that preaches the Bible in its entirety. Um, And if you're not really sure what I'm implying by that, uh, I've got several episodes that talks about some of the different churches and what they believe. Uh, Many people would call them denominations, but um, I take issue with uh, someone saying I'm a Christian, someone asking what I am, and I tell them I'm a Christian, and they say, what denomination? Denomination would be a division Uh, In essence, the definition of the word is division, and uh, there's not to be a division in Christ. Christ's body is not divided. It's one body. So there isn't a division. There is the church, and that's it. And when I say I have a problem finding a church that preaches the truth in its entirety, I mean that there's a lot of churches that will preach out of the Bible, uh, but they won't take the Bible complete. They omit things. They add things to it. You know, the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible, uh, so they'll add that to it. They'll omit things like taking out baptism as an essential to salvation. You know, that's that's where we meet the blood of Christ. First Peter 3.21 says it's bath- baptism that doth save us, right? Out of Jesus' own mouth in Mark 16.16, 16, he said, He who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He who believeth not shall be damned. And, of course, they add to the whole uh, baptism as an outward expression of the inward change. That's that's not scriptural at all either. So uh, when I'm traveling around, a lot of times what I'll find is the only churches in the area that preach the truth will be a church of Christ. Um, now, I go to a Christian church, and uh, what I've found is if a church says uh, the church of Christ on the door— Uh, We'll find that they're really close in the same that the Christian church is. The one difference many times will be that they don't believe in instruments in the church. So that's where the question comes is, you know, should we or should we not have instruments in the church? So I will say first off, the church is not the building. Um, If I really need to go through it, we can go through the scripture Uh, But I believe that most people who go to, quote unquote, a Christian church, uh, meaning people who are Baptist will say, well, I go to a Christian church um, or whatever denomination uh, that you are. Most will agree that the church is not a building. The church is the people. Uh, So what goes on in the building is not as important as the church and its gathering and its worship. 
We can read the early church didn't have a physical building. They met from house to house, and that was the church. The body of Christ was gathering together on the first day of the week as we're commanded uh, to gather around the table, to take in their tithe, and then to read the scripture, to pray, and to have fellowship with one another. So that, that was the church in the very beginning. Um, but what happens is in this church, these churches of Christ, they'll take scripture and they'll take it out of context. And uh, what they do is they'll take, um, here's the first one that I find is Ephesians 5.19. So if you got your Bible, uh, go to Ephesians 5.19. And uh, again, as I say, always, we want to make sure, first of all, that everything that we're talking about here is based in scripture not in personal opinion, not in historical documents. The only historical document that is important is the Word of God, and that's the Bible here. And I'm reading from a King James. Uh, you might have a different translation. I will say that, uh, and I've mentioned this in the past, that you need to be careful with different translations because some of them will uh, change the meaning of what is being written. And in some cases, they actually omit uh, verses in the Bible. So be cautious. I knew I do know that the NIV is edited and I will not use the NIV for anything. And I personally think that the NIV is worthless. So if you have one, I would venture to say you should throw it away. I, w I definitely wouldn't give it away. Uh, you definitely don't want to, if we're supposed to go out and make disciples of everybody, we don't want to give them a Bible that's not complete. Uh, so go to Ephesians 5. And in Ephesians, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, so we do know that he's speaking to Christians. And if we go down here to verse 19, uh, and let's just take the verse as it's written. Okay, just this specific verse. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So if you just take that verse by itself, it does sound as if that, well, first of all, we're supposed to speak, sing songy to each other <laughs> because it says speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. So when it says making a melody in, uh, in your heart to the Lord, this is actually speaking of how we're to conduct ourselves as Christians. This is talking about how how we should live our lives on a daily basis. And we need to remember that there's a lot of things that we're taught we taught or we are taught in these letters uh, to the churches um, that are tools because the flesh um, to live carnally is to is to have a um, a death sentence essentially uh, meaning that the flesh is weak and the flesh uh, is is sinful in its desires and we're to live spiritual and if we're to live spiritual, then there's things that we need to do to help set our sights on uh, things that are spiritual, um, set our sights on the Lord and pleasing God uh, with our lives. And, and to do that, then we need to try to fill every bit of our being with God. Uh, and, and what that means is that we should be, uh, you know, it talks about pray continually. Um, uh, obviously we can't can sit there and speak and actually pray, uh, from beginning to end until we die. You know, obviously we can't even, you know, mentally pray continually. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to focus on, on anything. Uh, we'd have car accidents, right? A lot of times that's, that's what causes accidents is 
you know, something has drawn our attention and we're not fully focused on the task at hand. Right. And that, that's how many uh, incidences happen in, in the workplace. People are, are distracted in some way, shape or form. Um, but this is speaking on how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. If you if you scroll up and you read this verse in its context, you know, Paul begins here in Ephesians five and verse one. It says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, offering a sacrifice to God uh, for a sweet smelling savior, uh, savior, uh, but fornication and all uncleanliness and covetous, let it not be once named among you as come as becometh saints, because we're saints, we're sanctified after we become a Christian. Uh, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Uh, for this we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God. So he's going through here telling us how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. Um, he says in verse 10, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is the, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light, for whosoever doth make manifest is light. So it's it's speaking on how we're to conduct ourselves. Obviously, we're not going to have people who are not of the faith in the church service, right? They're not going to be partaking, actually partaking in the church service. Now, we do invite people who are not Christians to church, but the service is for the Christians, and it's for our worship to God. It's not for the outside world. The gathering around the Lord's table is for Christians. It's not for those who are not Christian. Uh, so let's go to Colossians. And once again, this is Paul, and he's reading to, or he's writing to the church in uh, Colossae. He says here in Colossians 3, uh, in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, if you were to take this, this verse uh, literally, it's saying singing with grace in your hearts. So really, we should be standing in the church and it should be total silence because we should be singing in our hearts, not singing out loud. That's not, again, if you, if you go back and you read this in its context, Paul is again telling them how to conduct themselves as Christians. You know, he says in verse 12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bonds of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also ye are called in one body and be thankful. Again, he's telling us how we are to act as Christians, how we're to get our get through the day. You know, if we have a joyful song singing in, with grace in our hearts, 
to God, then the focus is going to be on God throughout the day. And it's going to help us to not be of the world, to not be carnally minded. Uh, and that's why he's given this direction, not to say that they're not allowed to play instruments in the church. We know that there there's a few verses that talk about what the church service actually was for the early church. We know that Paul, uh, when he's traveling in Acts 20, uh, it says that they gathered together on the first day of the week to break bread. That's when Paul preaches uh, uh, late at night and uh, a man falls out of a window and dies and they bring him back to life. But it says that they gathered around the Lord's table uh, to break bread and then Paul preached. So we know that there was a taking of the Lord's Supper. We know that there was Paul preaching. We also know that there's scripture that talks about them gathering uh, the tithe on the first day of the week as well. And then if we read uh, in Acts 2, uh, right after uh, the church was added to on the day of Pentecost, it says that they had all things in common and they continued on in the apostles' doctrine and in the breaking of bread and in worship. So we do know that there was obviously the apostles' doctrine in this case because they didn't have the Bible written was the Word of God. So they there was the reading of the Word of God, there was the breaking of bread, uh, and there was prayer. And that's the outline of the church service. Uh, we're not commanded to come together on Wednesday nights for Bible study, although it's great that we do. We're not commanded to even have two services on Sunday. Uh, we're commanded to gather around the Lord's table on the first day of the week to take up tithe, and then we read uh, you know, Scripture, we have some preaching, uh, and then, of course, there's prayer. Nowhere in those does it say that they uh, sang. It doesn't say that they had instruments. So uh, they are correct in saying that the uh, it doesn't come out and say that we are to do those things. And and listen, I'll say if if you feel like your church, uh, you all don't want to have instruments because uh, maybe it 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 doesn't allow you to focus properly on your worship. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, what, what becomes a problem is when you want to tell other people that they're not allowed to, that we don't have authority or that um, it's a sin to have musical instruments in the worship service. Uh, because I, I, as I'm going to read here in a, in a couple other verses, I'm, I'm going to show you that um, we can conclude that it is okay to worship God with musical instruments. Um you know, one other thing I want to say is if they want to to say that um, uh, that we're directed in such a way in our worship service uh, not to have instruments and they're going to take those two verses to specify that we shouldn't, um, then I'll say this. The churches that I've been in during those a cappella singings, there are women singing. If that is considered part of the worship service, then they're totally, completely ignoring what Paul tells the church uh, in 1 Corinthians 14. We just talked about this. 1 Corinthians is to the, the church in Corinth. And if we go to uh, verse 34, it says, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. 
And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. So uh, if they want to take this verse as to say that, you know, the singing is uh, the church service, and they want to say that we're not to have instruments in the church service because it's not outlined, then these women need to make sure that they're silent in the church service because it's just outlined right here that women are not to speak in the church. What Paul is talking about here is a woman is not to have authority in the church service. Because if we outline what the church service is, the church service is the preaching, the church service is the um, the tithing, the gathering of the tithes. In our church, we have um, the communion and we have um, the offering. And we usually have someone do a communion meditation to kind of help us focus. You know, we read some scripture and we talk about the communion and what Christ said when he instituted communion. And then we have the elders pray uh, for the communion. And then we also have uh, either the elders or the deacons pray for the offering. Uh, so nowhere in that part are they allowed to have women doing the communion meditation because they would be speaking during the church service. Women are not to be preachers. They would be speaking during the church service. And that's it. That's the only part that's outlined as the actual church service. They would be usurping authority if they were in that position. So that is not the church service. Now, when we sing, that is a worship. And when we worship God, we're allowed and we're actually uh, we're directed to try to worship God continually. That, you know, we're to live our lives a living sacrifice. So everything we do should be a worship to God, should be bringing praise and honor to God. And and that's the case uh, where we can use instruments, we can sing a cappella, we can, we can do what is acceptable to God in our worship to him. And uh, I think that we can conclude that it is acceptable to God to uh, use instruments in our worship to him. You know, if we go to 1 Samuel, you know, David was spoken of being a man after God's own heart. And uh, early on when David is chosen to be the king, he's, he's still a young boy. And uh, as a young boy, uh, he was the last one to be picked uh, from his brothers, you know, because he was kind of the run of the litter. He wasn't even brought in when they were looking for who was going to be the next king. Uh, he was the last one. And of course, uh, the Lord chose David to be uh, king. And if we read in 1 Samuel 16, in verse 23, it says, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, because Saul is the king at this time, and David was chosen to be his successor. It says that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And we know if we read a little further back that actually David was filled with the Holy Spirit. So if, if uh, David, if it was um, bad for David to play an instrument um, in the service of God, because uh, the reason he went to play for Saul was because he was to, to pull that spirit, that evil spirit that was put on Saul, he was supposed to get it out of Saul. Okay, and, and physically he didn't do it. It was the Holy Spirit. It was God working through David that removed that spirit. Just like in the early church when 
there were miracles done by the apostles, it wasn't the apostles actually doing those miracles just like Jesus did. It was the Holy Spirit that was within those apostles that was using them as a conduit to do those miracles. It wasn't the man that was doing the miracles. And if we read in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, him being David, in the midst of his brethren around his family. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ram. So um, when, he, when David is anointed to be the next king, the Spirit of the Lord comes to David and dwells with David. And then later on is when David goes with a harp and plays for King Saul to drive out the evil spirit. So we know that uh, a stringed instrument in this case was used, and of course everything was done to bring glory and honor to God, and that was acceptable. Now, granted, that was the Old Testament, and we were, we're told many times that uh, the Old Testament was fulfilled with uh, Christ and was nailed to that cross. And we live under the New Testament, the new law. But I will say, just like we don't live under the, old, the, the Ten Commandments anymore, the Ten Commandments are reiterated through Christ's command for us to love him and to love, you know, to love uh, the Lord thy God with all our heart and also to love one another. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, if we truly try to love God and to love one another, then every single one of those commandments would be fulfilled by just those two things that we're directed to do. So the old law still lives forward in a way through that. Um, you know, the unclean things that we were not allowed to partake of or to touch in the Old Testament are now made clean through Christ's blood. So that's why when, um, when Cornelius, uh, the first Gentile to be saved, when um, Peter is directed to do that, Peter says in this dream, in this vision, when he sees the sheet come down with the unclean animals and he's told to eat, he says, I've never touched those things. I'm not supposed to. And um, he's basically told that God has made all things clean again. So we still had we still had those um, restrictions. Now we have freedom in the Lord now. But none of the worship. Uh, was made void that was still under the old law. If you think of, uh, well, the sacrifice, well, Jesus is the continual sacrifice. And then we're also directed to live our lives as a sacrifice to the Lord. Um, and and I think that I'm going to support uh, the, the playing of instruments um, with New Testament scripture. I think you'll you'll agree with it. Um, we can read in uh, Revelations in five, you know, the, the revelation, the reveling or revelations, the writer of Revelations. <laughs> I just spent a bunch of time saying a bunch of stuff in a circle. The writer of Revelation says in five, eight, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of saints. So in heaven, in this vision, in revelations, um, you know, we have the elders that have harps and, you know, they're to, they, and they continually praise God over and over. 
And they have these harps. So they're playing instruments to worship God in the New Testament. So we do know that um, it's acceptable to God to play an instrument to worship him. So if it's okay to worship God through our, our through an instrument and God gives us the talents that we have, the abilities that we have, um, and, and we're to do those things uh, in honor of God. If you go to Colossians 3, 23, Paul says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You know, if, if, if I had the great ability to play the guitar, you know, my, my youngest son's uh, good friend is a singer. He has a, a wonderful voice. He's got a talent. He can just play any instrument. He can play the fiddle. He can play guitar. He's just, he's, he's musically gifted. And, and I truly say it's gift and it's gift from God. You know, that talent is from God. And if he uses that talent to glorify God, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that verse I just read says that we're to do what we're doing for God. Um, if you go to Romans 12 in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So if we're to do all that we can for God, if we're to be a sacrifice for God, if we're to worship God with all our being, if we're to do everything not not that we're doing it for our boss or we're doing whatever we do for other people to give us glory, but we're doing things to glorify God, um, then he's not going to look down on us for playing an instrument and worshiping him. And if I've already outlined what the actual worship service is, the church service, then those playing of those instruments don't fall under that classification. Um, and I will say this, so I, I'm not adding authority or adding to the Bible. I'm concluding um, from the Bible what uh, should be allowed by us. You know, if it's not directed as a sin, we have freedom in, in the Lord and uh, that we are to worship the Lord. But I will caution us. Okay, so we do have an organ and we have a piano in our church. We've had people come and play special music before playing guitars and, um, you know, whatever the instrument is, if it's done for the glory of God and if the songs that are sang are scriptural, they're not saying, you know, fall on your knees and ask Jesus into your heart or, you know, some drunk was, you know, in the holding cell at jail and looked up and praised God and was saved, you know, things that are not scriptural. If they're singing songs that are scriptural and then we're not jumping around like we're at some concert. We're not hooting and hollering and, you know, doing things that are not decent or orderly. And that's scriptural. If you go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Paul tells them, let all things be done decently and in order. You know, the, the church is to be conducted uh, decently and in order. Decently meaning in accordance to God's will. You know, it's it, how how the church service is supposed to be run. And then in order, meaning that there's not a bunch of people speaking, you know, hooting and hollering and doing things that's not very orderly. You know, the most disorderly show I've ever seen is one of those Jerry Springer shows where people are just yelling at each other. And that is the opposite of order and decency. A hundred percent. I'm sorry if you like those shows, but I do not like those shows. Um so, you know, as long as everything is in order and decent, you know, whatever instrument it is that they're playing for the Lord in worship, 
uh, as long as they're doing it for that and not for the glory of men, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, again, the church service as outlined by the Bible is the breaking of bread, the tithing, the reading of scripture, the, you know, the preaching and prayer. Those things are outlined. Everything else is stuff we do in addition to worship God. And for those churches that say, well, we don't have instruments and it's a sin for you to have instruments and condemn other other individuals for having instruments in their worship service, I'll say this. You're really close to falling into this scripture here in Revelations 22. In verse 18, it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues wherein is written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of, his, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. You know, if if you add to Scripture, if you take away from Scripture, that's that's a scary thing to do. And these churches that take out baptism, you know, you fall into this. Um, if you're adding to it uh, some anything else, um, you know, that's a dangerous thing. That's that's when I say dangerous, not physically dangerous. That's spiritually dangerous, which is way worse than whatever happens to us on the. 80, 70, 60, 100, however many years we live on this earth before either the Lord comes back or we're laid to rest, um, that's nothing compared to the spiritual death that's that lies ahead if we don't follow um, this word in its entirety. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast here. I'm now available on iTunes. I'm available on iHeartRadio. Obviously, I'm available on Spotify and Anchor. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, we'll be back uh, next time with another wonderful episode where we follow what the scripture says, not what men say. Mm-hmm.